inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I'm your co-host and America's favorite Griffin Danny, Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm your other co-host and Griffin Dyke, Jesse Blount. For those following along at home, we are reading Chapter 6, the journey from platform nine and three quarters in which the Dursleys drop Harry off at King's Cross. He boards the Hogwarts Express, meets a bunch of his future friends slash enemies slash frenemies and <laughs> sees Hogwarts for the first time. Perfect. And eat a fuckload of candy. <laughs> and eat nothing but candy and have no water or anything. No water! <laughs> J.K. Rowling does not believe in water. Everyone is very dehydrated in these books. As uh, <laughs> people listening to this podcast may have noticed, we keep reading less and less chapters <laughs> as the podcast continues to be two and a half hours long before serious editing, no matter how many chapters we try to read. So this week we're doing one. We'll see how it goes. I think we're really just going to play this by ear via the things that we have in the chapters and also our own mental bandwidth. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's open this newspaper. Today's headlines. Hundreds gather at King's Cross Station for bizarre annual guerrilla theater magic disappearing act. <laughs> <laughs> I have to assume that muggles fucking pack into King's Cross every September 1st for this. They're just like, what in the whole world is it that happens at King's Cross on September 1st? There's probably news crews. The wizards and witches are just like oblivious to what's going on. They're just like, muggles are weird. Everyone's like trying to figure it out. There's like entire conspiracy theory <laughs> blogs dedicated to it. Oh, my God. There's totally a bunch of conspiracy theory blogs. And if you don't mind, that brings, to my, that brings me to my first point, which is, so Harry asks a guard and he's like, kid, I don't know anything about Hogwarts. But like literally every year for hundreds of years, a bunch of random ass kids are like platform nine and three quarters. And some of them are muggles and are probably like, where is this? Is, is there not anyone from the ministry who's like, oh, yeah, we should probably have someone dressed up there and be like, oh, nine platform nine and three quarters. Let me take care of this and then just direct them quietly to the platform. Like that makes it's like it seems like the statue of secrecy would mean there'd be a ton of witches, you know, ready to obliviate people and to be like, oh, yeah, that is entirely too practical. <laughs> Oh my god, but that would be so helpful. Also, be how helpful. long has King's Cross Station been in existence? You know, uh I can... do you do like a quick <laughs> I can quick I Google? can I can do a quick Google right now. My <laughs> my first point is Harry chilling in a room filling up with dead mice. What the fuck? <laughs> Harry's a slob. <laughs> he is such a slob, but he's like, it's a good thing Aunt Petunia doesn't come in here to clean anymore because Hedwig keeps bringing dead mice, which to me is a clear indicator that Harry is not cleaning up the dead mice that Hedwig is bringing. He's just no. like, ew. Also, he's 11 years old. Why was she still cleaning his room? <laughs> Maybe she was cleaning it when it was Dudley's broken toy room, and now she's like, I don't even fucking go in there. It does sound like previous to this, she was cleaning his room, which this is why adult men are children. <laughs> Clean your own damn rooms. This also means that, you know, the like owl pellets that are full of hair and like mice bones are probably also everywhere in that in that room. 
Yeah, definitely. So King's Cross Station opened in 1852. Okay. I wonder how they got there pre-King's Cross. I don't know. Do you think the parents just, like, apparated their kids to Hogsmeade? Which I feel like still seems like a legit way to get your kids there and not be eight hours in a train with no water. So when they learn how to apparate, everybody, even those who are, like, brought up in the witching world, are, like, so amazed that Harry has done side-along apparition. So I think that you have to actually be, like, a pretty powerful which to be able to take someone on side along apparition otherwise yeah everybody would take their kids places that way but like no one has apparated before it seems like for for all the magical world the hogwarts express is probably the coolest way to get anywhere everything else is yeah. mildly to completely terrifying yeah yep <laughs> And, like, nausea-inducing. Oh my god, yes. Doesn't anyone ever get motion sick? I would be motion sick constantly trying to go anywhere. I have to assume that motion sickness falls under J.K. Rowling's wizards don't experience (sighs) mundane muggle illnesses thing, so... No. I hope vertigo also is a thing, because that would really just fuck you up. Trying to get a port key... I know I would be throwing up constantly if I had to get around the way that they all get around just constant migraines and displeasure. I feel like apparition is the only thing that makes sense. And even that seems really dangerous. You fuck it up. You're going to be and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like compressed into a tiny tube. No, thank you. I feel like it's really confusing that Hogwarts always starts on September 1st. And also it appears that September 1st is always a Sunday because they always get there and then start classes the next day and have a full week of classes. But that's not how calendars work. (laughs) I've literally never noticed that. It's weird, right? Maybe time runs differently. No, I don't think time runs differently at Hogwarts. Um, I think this is the only chapter where we see like harry actively and excitingly reading his like textbooks and stuff it's like you go to a fucking magic school why aren't you more excited about all the cool things you're gonna learn i'm like harry bro i kind of feel like it's actually really really accurate to how like because we you adjust right like yeah something feels so like big and new and like intimidating and whatever and then like pretty rapidly once you're in it you're like yes this is life and then homework goes back to being homework even if your homework is like how to you know brew glory and bottle death or whatever Snape is about to say when we meet him whatever drama queen ass shit he's about to say yeah exactly but yeah it is cute he's like laying in bed reading his textbooks and like naming his owl after somebody which i wish we had more information on the person that he chose to name hedwig after yeah if i i made a note to like look up the like entomology of the name hedwig and then i didn't have time for that so next (laughs) next episode we will devote some time to everyone's to our favorite snowy owl hedwig yes let's see when Fred and George get off the train and they're talking to Harry or to Mrs. Weasley about how they met Harry. She says the poor dear. No wonder he was alone, which here we have again, the like, which NSA shit, because like, why did she say that? Does everyone know that he was like raised in terrible conditions in the muggle world? You know, I, I don't know. It's upsetting, right? And it's a little weird because I feel like her concern should have been like, where, why don't you have any guardians here? Right. It's like she, it was a given to her. Oh, if it, that was Harry Potter. No wonder he was alone. So she has access to some information, I guess, that he would be alone. I don't know. I mean, it would either be that. There's actually, I have a note of some 
bad exposition in this chapter where like molly's like all right which platform is it and it's like you should know you have five kids <laughs> that was very frustrating so like yeah it is weird that she says that but it's hard to know if it's like is she right is there kind of like other information that we that she knows and we don't or is it just more bad exposition or maybe everyone knows now because Hagrid is terrible at secrets. <gasps> Hagrid is to blame <laughs> that fucking guy. Just so bad at secrets. All right. All right. You're right. That's it. <sighs> Some stuff with, with Molly I have in other sections, but one other thing that I have, and this is like a recurring thing that I come back to with her, like Ron is like oh my sandwich is crappy and it's like not food that i want to eat but she he says she hasn't got much time with five of us and i just am like not convinced by that like she, one molly's like a super great cook we i mean i guess we don't know that yet but we very soon will know that she's a super great cook she would never make a dry corned beef sandwich this is true but also like I don't know, she has magic and most of them are not really, like, kids that require looking after a whole lot anymore. Like, even Ginny is 10. So I just am like, what? Like, what exactly? If what she's doing with all of her time is picking up after her children, she should just stop because they are old enough to clean their own <laughs> damn rooms. Don't do that anymore. I mean, it could also be that, like... Maybe Ron was not good at verbally communicating what kind of sandwiches he likes. It was just kind of like, oh, you should kind of know already because you're my mom. But uh, if so many other brothers that you like to take care of, like, how would you just in instinctively know that I like a turkey club and not corned beef? Yeah. Poor little Ronnie. I feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like his, as someone who did wear like hand-me-downs growing up which like I didn't have like class angst about but I totally understand like where his like class angst and his sort of like family anxiety and it's like oh Ron you just told this kid you just <laughs> he just told Harry all of his insecurities like in like a five minute span of meeting him <laughs> that's like true ron. but that's also like ron literally grew up knowing the shittiest things about harry's life so maybe it was just like fair it's like yeah i already know everything <laughs> terrible that happened to you so like here's some information so that we can be friends now because <laughs> you know friendship is yeah. a give and take of uh trauma for trauma um but when i like the thing with ron that i think about the most is like he his closest brothers are twins closest in age are twins who like don't need anyone but each other and then his like other closest sibling is Ginny who he must have a fuckload of resentment towards because he for very good reason feels like he was like the last unwanted child that they had in their attempt to get their girl. So like, yeah. even though Ginny is rad and they end up like being closer later, I feel like he probably like grew up with a fair amount of resentment towards her as like both the youngest and also the only girl. So she must get like a decent amount of like special attention and treatment. I'm, I'm always confused by that. I also assume some of that resentment is that Jenny, as the only girl, probably got new clothing more frequently than Ron did because Molly is the kind of person to be like, okay, you're wearing a lot of your brother's cami-downs, but here's also like 10 dresses or whatever the fuck. Yeah, even though like, I feel like robes should be unisex, but like the Weasleys all wear muggle clothes in the summertime, which is mysterious because the Weasleys, the adult Weasleys don't know how to dress like muggles, but their kids do. But like, clearly Molly is buying the kids clothes. I don't know how that all works. It is a little confusing and definitely not very consistent across the kids. Um, Maybe there's a really rad 
thrift store in whatever the closest muggle town that the Weasleys are near. Yeah, maybe. No, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, Arthur has no idea how to... Well, I mean, Arthur's not buying their clothing, but he has no idea how, like, muggle money works, so... That's true. Yeah, where the fuck do they get these clothes? (laughs) Uh, Which, like, leads me to my next point, which is, like, where do they get their shoes? Because Ron is wearing trainers. Like, they all wear trainers. Are these, like, witch, witch trainers? I don't know. It doesn't seem like they would have something that practical. Isn't it, like, racketeering if you're buying a product and then reselling it, like unlicensed somewhere else is that basic maybe there's someone just like buying a bunch of like air jordans and then yep. like reselling them in diagon alley oh my it's god it's just like illicit chuck taylor yes everywhere. that is exactly what's <laughs> happening some brilliant muggle-born is out there just like wholesale buying up like a bunch of Adidas and coming back and selling them like in Nocturne Alley. People just like getting their illicit <laughs> sneakers. Uh, I have a few more things. Um, <laughs> there are so many cats on the platform. Why aren't any of those cats freaking out? Like if I took my cats to a train platform, I would never see them again because they would bolt immediately. So I feel like in the third book, when Ron goes to the pet store and the witch is like, this is a normal rat, not a witch rat. I feel like that must mean that all of their animals are like a little bit different from muggle animals. You know what I mean? Like Crookshanks is clearly like more than your average cat. And I think they must all their animals must be like special witchy animals yeah probably it's just i'm still just kind of like jkr have you ever had animals before <laughs> <laughs> like trevor's not in a tank there's oh just God. cats everywhere ron's bringing this illegal rat that has lived in his house for 10 years and no one's like wow this is a really elderly rat (laughs) holy god rats live for like a year and a half like what is going on it's a hot mess that i i'm gonna jump to the end of the chapter really quick because that is something that i really need to like think about so there's all these animals running around on the platform but then that must also mean that these children are getting into boats with their cats like if you think a cat's gonna freak out on a train platform imagine taking your cat in a fucking canoe oh my god that is not gonna work out my god the first years are like all bleeding when they get to hogwarts from trying to hold on to their cat in the water I was just thinking about like a little child like holding a like freaking out screaming cat and just getting clawed <laughs> in the face repeatedly. They don't know any spells to calm their cats down, and Lord knows Hagrid isn't helping. He's just like, no. you have to soothe it. Like, oh, the little tyke, he's scared. The child is just like half their face is like running with blood. <laughs> oh, my God. oh man. Yeah. Um when this book first came out, you're like, oh man, wizarding photos like moving is awesome. And now it's basically like wizarding photos are gifts. And <laughs> it's great that I can finally send someone a moving picture. Of either myself or a cat wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Suck it, wizards. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about how Crab and Goyle are, like, I, I reference Eddie as her dress to kill, like, 5,000 times a day if I can. And are you familiar? Have you seen it slash are you familiar with it i'm I'm familiar with it but i don't think i've seen it all the way through okay like bits and pieces it's okay well so he has this whole bit about like the royal family and how like they're just so like 
out of touch and whatever uh, because it's a bad idea when cousins marry. Um, and he <laughs> compares it to like purebred dogs and how like mutt dogs are really smart and can like do all sorts of things. And uh, purebred dogs are just like, um, woof. <laughs> And I feel like Crab and Goyle are like exactly why it's important to sometimes marry Muggleborns or like marry Muggles and Muggleborns because otherwise you get Crab and Goyle. Like this is what happens with inbreeding. You should stop keeping your bloodlines <laughs> pure or your children will all end up like just totally <laughs> useless lumps that can do nothing but be like side cronies to the one you know, highly inbred child that turned out okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of the pure, pure blood families that we see, it's like, oh, so much inbreeding. So much. I mean, the fucking family tree that we get when we go to Sirius's mom's house is horrifying. It's real upsetting. Yeah, it's pretty upsetting. So is it, and also probably for like uh, Voldemort's family too. It's like, I mean, the politics section on that family is going to be like seven hours long. <laughs> it's just the Wizarding World is way too okay with incest. I, that's all I got. Uh, so, much. <laughs> and I mean, it's like you know, it's in in the U.S. It's like legal in a lot of places for people to marry their first cousins, whatever. But I'm like, I think in the Wizarding World, it's a little the circus a little tighter than that, and it's uh, pretty horrifying. Yeah. Yep. Um, the candy. I don't know if this is going to be controversial. Literally, all of the candy sounds fucking gross. Um, pumpkin pasties and cauldron cakes sound fine. Literally everything else sounds like trash. Yeah. I'm sure you had a different point, but I just wanted to get out how like Birdie Bot's every flavor bean sound like a Rondal thing gone terribly wrong. And why would you ever eat those? That sounds disgusting. I mean, they're basically just jelly bellies, right? But like... Made horrific. <laughs> Yeah, like, I could, you could eat a handful of Jelly Bellies, and it'd be weird, but it'd be fine. You could do it if you like sweets, but, like, you couldn't, you can't eat these as candy. It's more like, let's have fun and see who gets a really gross one. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they don't, they don't sound fun at all. And, like, eating chocolate that hops realistically in your stomach just sounds like an invitation to feel like you need to puke yeah can you imagine they just like keep eating chocolate frog after chocolate frog so presumably that's like you know 25 realistically hopping frogs in their stomachs which sounds so terrible it's just oh my god i just why just eat a like fucking snickers bar it's not moving it tastes delicious why isn't there the wizarding version of a snickers bar I don't know. No reason for the candy to be so weird. But also, no excuses <laughs> for locking children <laughs> on a train for six hours with access to nothing but candy and no water. It's so upsetting. It's, like, worse than Amtrak. At least you can buy, like, a hot dog or, like, a, you know, lunchable cheese container on, you know, Amtrak. And definitely you can buy water. You can get water for free on an Amtrak. Right. Uh, can you... Their heads must hurt so bad by the time they get to Hogwarts. Like, the headache that you get from the combination of dehydration and, like, a six-hour blood sugar roller coaster with no fucking protein. I mean... I don't know. I feel like when I was 11, I could definitely eat like a bag of candy and just be cool about it and just be like, I feel great. I ate a bag of Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> but it's, I mean, there's no excuse though for there not being actual food available. I understand why these kids are like, I'm just going to eat fucking junk for six hours. But like, well, because like, why aren't they supervised? <laughs> why is no one, there's not a single goddamn adult on that train besides the conductor and the lady selling them the candy. And the conductor's really not doing shit because, like, people are being fucking bullied and, like, people are always getting fucking beat up and cursed and shit on the car. Yeah, they're just driving the train. That's all the conductor is doing. 
I okay as someone who's like significantly like spent a bunch of time hanging out with kids as an adult kids think they feel okay like many adults think they feel okay (laughs) after eating a fuckload of candy and not drinking any water but as someone on the outside who's having to interact with those people I'm pretty sure are better equipped to tell how someone is actually feeling which is like that's when you need to like send a child to their room because they like refuse to eat anything but you know a bunch of candy for lunch and wouldn't drink any water because they said they weren't thirsty and then you get home and they're like screaming at you and you're like go away from me forever i am not being paid enough to deal with your attitude right now so all of these children might think that they feel fine but they do not feel fine they feel terrible i promise Hopefully there are other parents who are like, I'm going to pack you like a sandwich or something, an apple maybe. Hermione's parents definitely are like, apples are just more sugar. These children need protein. Some cheese, please. At least one piece of string cheese. <laughs> that's that's all I ask. Hermione definitely had a bag of like bluebell cheese and like, a, and like an adorable sandwich. I feel like her parents seem very practical. Yes. And Hermione ate it. And that's why she's, like, on top of her shit and is the one who is like, I checked in with the conductor and we're about to get to Hogwarts because the conductor didn't tell them it was time to change into their robes. Hermione had to ask. And she had the presence of mind to ask because she knows that she needs to eat some fucking protein (laughs) when she's on a train for six hours. She probably had a water bottle. She's on top of it. Yeah. Were there water bottles in the 90s? I guess they're probably Yes. They're, I don't think that they were, like, hip as they are, like, now, but they have, like, Nalgene in the late 90s, and you could get, like, it's true. other water bottles. Maybe Hermione had, like, a thermos full of, like, tea or something. I don't know. Oh, she probably did. Little Hermione. That's why she's so sassy in this chapter. <laughs> Every life. Fuck yeah, she is. It's just, I love her. She's just, like, at 10 immediately, and I'm like, go, girl. You tell these assholes what the fuck is going on. Do you want to do this as our segue to her community profile? Yes, we can do that. Welcome to the community profile section where we highlight a pillar of our community. This week, we are talking about Hermione Jean Granger, true hero of the Harry Potter series, coming in strong with some sass helping people out being on top of everything she already learned the entire textbooks of everything she's just on it what a hero truly truly the the hero we deserve if not the hero that we got (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah this chapter gives us a canonical line of reasoning for a poc or black hermione lee the twins friend who we know is black is described not by his skin color, but by the texture of his hair for having dreadlocks. A few pages later, we get Hermione described with her just as having a bossy tone and her bushy brown hair, which, let's be real, not a lot of white people are having. Yeah. And, I mean, they even, I mean, they had to, like, in the movies, they had to crimp uh, what's-her-face's hair to get it to look like that. <laughs> they did a really bad job casting Hermione. Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, but also she just should have been of color. Like, you can't, like, if... Well, I mean, that's part of doing the bad job. Part of was doing the bad job. So, uh, no matter how you feel about uh, Cursed Child's place in the canon, um, we also got uh, Black Hermione and a multiracial uh, Rose Weasley. So, I rest my case. I think that, like, using that line of reasoning that we can take hair color description or like hair description as how we assume the race of characters. I think that we are like all set on reading Harry as being of Asian descent. Yeah. I'm definitely here for that interpretation also. Um, Yeah. I 100% agree with you that that is that. I mean, that's it. Yes. It's canon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hermione basically has, like, my hair texture. Like, that's basically what my hair does. It is actually currently doing right now, so... Um, I liked the part where 
she comes in and is like, oh, are you Harry Potter? I know all about you. And she's like, oh, you're in these three books that I read over the summer right after finding out for the first time that I am a witch. And Harry's like, am I? And she says, goodness, didn't you know? I'd have found out everything I could if it was me. Which that right there, I feel like, is why she is such a wonderful character. Because fucking duh. But also, I mean, Harry didn't. He didn't be like, the entire wizarding witching world knows who I am. Maybe I should find out what they know about me. Which maybe is trauma. Maybe he was avoiding it. But... Yeah, it's actually really interesting because, like, not at all at any time in the series does he even try to, like, look at any of these things. And I'm like... Again, Hermione is on point. If that was me, I would have brought all those books and then also demanded they give it to me for free because I'm like, this is my history. So like, can I get like a discount? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah. And this is why I love Hermione Granger so much. Um, I wish that we would have gotten these books from her perspective because we would have gotten so much ridiculous detail that I want about the entire wizarding world because Hermione would have been like, I'm just going to read like, 80 books a year every year even when i'm like living in a tent in the woods bubbling around with harry for these horror cruxes i still have time to read i know all this shit she brought so many books <laughs> that is what i would have done so many books yeah <laughs> i mean good plan though i mean it's gonna be real boring <laughs> yeah the the things with her are like she memorized the textbooks. She first thing that she does is like help Neville find his toad. She's the one who's like checking in with the conductor. She's just like on top of everything. I I just I just think she's wonderful. I I'm not gonna lie though. I would probably hate her if I met her. <laughs> she's a big energy person, which is the kind of person I am least good at interacting with. They make me need to run away. So I would I would like her if I had the exposure, much like Harry and Ron learned to like her. <laughs> but right off the bat, I would definitely not be going out of my way to spend any time with Hermione Granger. Yeah, she seems like the most extrover- extroverted bookworm. And she also, at least for a long time in the books, is also one of those girls who, like, doesn't have female friends, which is always kind of like, is there some, like, weird internalized misogyny where you're like, oh, I'm too good for, like, girly things and talking about, like, gossip and whatever. Um, And I I feel like now I'm always kind of like, have you examined your internalized (laughs) issues? But yeah. I have two things on that. The less relevant one is that, like, those were always the characters that I was drawn to as a kid, which I think is, like, just because I am trans and didn't know it. I was like, I'll be, you know, like one of those girls that's, like, a boy (laughs) with boys for friends. (laughs) But I actually think that Hermione, it's just her and Parvati and Lavender that are their class of their age group of Gryffindors and Parvati and Lavender are um, very, very different from Hermione. So I don't think she had a lot of opportunity to be friends with like they're They were never going to be friends no matter what. They're not, they're not like congruent in that way. Uh, But I think she's actually like really good friends with Ginny. They spend a lot of time together, but Harry doesn't particularly care about that friendship. And because we get these books from Harry's perspective, we just, like, don't get to see it a lot. But Hermione does. She Ginny's, like, the only person she confides in that she's going to the prom with Victor Crumb. Yeah, no, I mean, they, def- they definitely are, like, really good friends, which is nice. Yeah. I think it's just Harry, oversight on Harry's part. So many things in this book are just because Harry is unobservant and it drives me up a wall. Yeah. Like, would you please report this important information to us? <laughs> you self-absorbed narrator. You. <laughs> uh. 
Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. It's my little song for the politics section this week, apparently. I like it. So I, a lot of this this week is going to be about, like, blood purity and stuff, I assume, right? Yeah, that's what I have a note of. Uh, I also have one note, I'm not sure that's in your blood purity discussion, about our kind of first mention of squibs and the way that they are sort of dealt with in the wizarding world so ron has this sort of like what is kind of played for laugh lines about like harry's like oh is your entire family wizards and ron's like you know i think my mom's second cousin is an accountant but we don't talk about him and it is like lol but also like that means he's probably a squib and even like someone is sort of progressive-ish as the Weasleys and in author's case very kind of like muggle world obsessed it is weird that they like don't communicate with this member of their family who doesn't have magic and lives in the muggle world like so even if like the Weasleys are feeling that way it's kind of just like our our first hint about like this sort of like prejudice and shit that like squibs get mm-hmm yeah, I wrote that line down too. While you were talking, though, a thought occurred to me. And it's just something that there's no way to find out one way or another. But uh, what's their horrible aunt's name? Something with an M. Like Mildred or something. Yeah, Muriel. Muriel. Great work. I feel like that accountant is probably Aunt Muriel's child. <gasps> and that she's the one who like wrote him out of the family history you're totally right that's probably 100 percent right because she's the worst <laughs> she's the worst <laughs> my god but i think muriel might be an author arthur's side she yeah it's real hard to tell so that maybe might be i don't know it really i mean either way even if like your shitty aunt who had a squib has written them out of the family like you still get to be the bigger person and be like hey i'm gonna reach out to you and be like just so you know i don't actually care that you're a squib and i still think you're a human being and are worthwhile so even if that's the case but i just think muriel is the kind of person who would disown her squib child yeah totes yeah and i feel like that that i mean plays right into the like blood purity thing that we get a lot of from Draco when he comes in. He like spews a lot of I mean a lot of it is the sort of like same parroting of conservative bigoted bullshit that he was doing in like the previous chapter but kind of like kicked up a notch. You know? Yeah. And I mean there actually was something there actually was a passage that I had kind of highlighted that was sort of just like I feel like a like one of the like quintessential things that like conservatives say that sort of very like victim blamingy. Uh, this is like after after Harry has been like basically fuck off Malfoy, and Draco's like, I'd be careful if I were you, Potter. Unless you're a bit polite, you'll go the same way as your parents. They didn't know it was good for them either. You hang around with riffraff like the Weasleys and that Hagrid, and it'll rub off on you. And it's just very, like, you'll get what's coming to you for not being, for shunning my, like, rich, privileged-ass, you know, self. And I mean, some of it is that, like, Malfoy is a huge asshole in this chapter, but, like, that's, like, fucked up. (laughs) It really, really is. Something that I thought was really interesting with him is, like, it makes sense that he is absorbing things like my father told me all the Weasleys have red hair freckles and more children than they can afford because Mm -hmm. his parents are like priming him for making friends with the right people at Hogwarts. What doesn't make sense to me is that Ron was paying enough attention to know all of what he knows about Malfoy's family. He says they were some of the first to come back to our side after you know who disappeared, said they'd been bewitched. My dad doesn't believe it. He says Malfoy's father didn't need an excuse to go over to the dark side. And 
one, Ron is 11. So that's not how 11 year olds tell that story. But also, <laughs> I just don't really believe that that's like appropriate dinner table conversation. And I don't think it's the kind of dinner table conversation the Weasleys would have. And I don't think, I don't know. It just strikes me as a little bit weird that Ron would be coming into Hogwarts with this pre-existing prejudice against the Malfoys. You know, I actually think that given what we see between Arthur and Malfoy in book two, I suspect that maybe they just have some kind of like ongoing personal feud that like, even if it's not necessarily dinner time conversation, I mean, it's not like the burrow is like soundproof, you know, That's like true. I'm sure that like enough of author ranting about what a fucking slimy douchebag Lucius is and how he should be in prison for being a literal death eater has probably happened enough over the years. And I'm sure all his kids are like, yep. Malfoy's are trash. That's true. Actually, they probably like witnessed run-ins between them out in the world. Yeah. Which I have to assume is because the Weasleys are blood traders, right? Like, is there anything that makes like conservative bigots more angry than people that they think should be like part of their club going rogue and not being part of their club right yeah because the weasleys are pure bloods god i hope they're not i hope they're half bloods but um <laughs> no because molly and arthur are both on sirius's fucking family tree they sure are gross maybe muriel is both of their great aunts <laughs> uh. <laughs> um yeah, so, like, you know, as one of the few few wizarding families, like, you know, spawning more purebloods to, you know, be potential mates for their children, having them be blood traitors must be infuriating for the Malfoys. Yeah. And I guess it's also, I guess it, the question also becomes, like, how much were, like, the Death Eaters aware that... Like, who was in the Order of the Phoenix the first go-round? Because, I mean, like, Molly's brothers were both in it, and they were both murdered. Yeah. So, which, it also kind of leads me to wonder if that's maybe where Ron's wand came from, since it is, like, secondhand and clearly just busted the fuck up. He said it's Charlie's. Did she say that? Yeah. Which I thought was super weird, because why would Charlie get a new wand? Maybe Charlie had a used wand, too. Maybe it passed through Charlie. And once Charlie had enough money to get himself his own wand. Yeah. He would definitely do that. Yeah, because Ron's like, I have Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand, and Percy's old rat. Something like that. The other thing... So I I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but I thought maybe you would want to go more into detail about your thoughts about like Ron and his like class anxiety. Yeah. I feel like they're both, like, it's, it's, like, really tightly wound into his sort of insecurity about standing out amongst his other brothers who are, have already done really awesome things. And that I feel like, I just feel like if the Weasleys had enough money where, like, all of the kids could be getting, like, new wands and, like, new robes and whatever, that Ron wouldn't. I feel like Ron sort of like thinking about needing to stand out wouldn't also be tied into his, you know, kind of want to like not have Hammy done anything or everything and just sort of feeling like he has something for himself as opposed to feeling like he needs to like in some way outshine his his other brothers in order to kind of get these like material comforts that he desires. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and like, you know, I don't necessarily know if like the Weezes are in poverty, but like, you know, being poor does fucked up shit to your brain. I feel like a lot of the things, a lot of Ron's sort of motivations, I feel like is definitely sort of tied into kind of like the way in which 
you can respond to things when you are poor and you like don't have the kind of things that people who aren't poor have. And I mean, I mean, Iran is still like the Weezes can like afford food. Like it, it doesn't seem like Ron has ever like not had a meal because that's the thing he freaks out about a lot in the seventh book when they're camping. So it's not like that kind of poverty, but definitely the kind of like everyone gets one gift at Christmas and like if your birthday's anywhere near December, I'm sure it's like you get a small thing for your birthday and a small thing for Christmas kind of kind of deal, you know? Yeah, I I think that with like the connection between hunger and poverty in the witching world is probably different than it is in the muggle world because because you can multiply food and so like one they like grow their own food and you can clearly use magic to like make your food grow better but two like they can start with a very very small amount of food and make it be enough food um at some point we see molly cooking and she literally just like pours a sauce out of her wand into a pan so which i know we learn like food is an exception to gamp's law but as long as she has access to like the core ingredients of that sauce i think she can make as much sauce as she wants to make so i don't know that we can necessarily use that as a litmus because i i do i think that the the weasleys are like pretty poor um, it might be the case that like Charlie and Bill are helping out now that they are making their own money. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, were doing that. But yeah, I guess it is sort of hard to judge like the poverty level of the Weasleys in like sort of the wizarding world in general. I mean, maybe like the Gaunts were living in some kind of like fucked up, impoverished sort of just banana pants like sort of situation but even they i mean when we meet them Europa's cooking i feel like if they don't have food it's because like the mom died before she could teach Marope how to like manifest food like how to grow it or whatever and like obviously marvelo and morphin have never like worked a day in their fucking lives no of course not they don't even they don't even know what food is. They just know it's a thing that, like, women make appear in the world. Yeah. I think a lot of what we see with them is just the fact that, like, there isn't a mother there. And these are men who absolutely refuse to lift a finger to, like, make anything doable. But they're the daughter who is now and, like, has the responsibility of taking care of the home, I think, didn't get access to all of the information that she needed to be able to do that before she ceased having a mother. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Oh, which is so many. If we go one chapter at a time, that's like 300 episodes from now. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, listen, we'll never, we'll never want it to end. It'll be great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, This is like the best part of my week. (laughs) Anyway, my last thing that I wanted to talk about is just this like really brief little interaction that we get with Hermione about the houses. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What does she say? I mean, she basically is like, I've been asking around about the houses and Gryffindor seems like the best by far. And then Ron says like he has to be in Gryffindor um, and then said, I don't suppose Ravenclaw would be too bad, but imagine if they put me in Slytherin. It starts so early the way that they like these 11 year olds feel about the houses. It's, it's just like the, the, like their biases just start. I mean, it's not like it's shocking. I mean, biases of any kind start very early, but like even Hermione, who's known of the wizarding world for like three months or whatever is like, oh yeah, like Gryffindor, that is the one that I want to be in, you know? It's like one month. Isn't it one month? Well, Harry gets his letter on his birthday when he turns 11. Which is July 31st. I actually don't know what Hermione's birthday is or when she would have gotten her letter. Oh, you think they get it on their 11th birthdays? Wait, that can't possibly be correct. So if a child's 11th birthday was August 30th, they would get their letter 
a like with one day to get to Diagon Alley <laughs> process. I mean, I guess I just assume so because Harry does, but I guess Harry He gets it on his birthday, but they've been trying to send it to him That's for a true. while. Okay, so so according to the internet, uh Hermione's bi- Hermione's birthday is September nineteenth. But like let's assume they get it sometime over the summertime when they're done with school. But I guess before they need to be registered in their new school, I don't know. But I mean, I can't imagine Hermione and her family having known for like more than three months. So, which is still a kind of a short amount of time to like make these sort of ideas about like which house they want to be in and which house is the best. Agreed. And the fact that the like available literature is enough to make everyone be like, oh, fuck Hufflepuff and like, oh, no, Slytherin. It's just so silly and so sad for the children that get placed in those houses. So it seems like the kids that get placed in Slytherin probably all want to. But yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so weird because I'm just like, Hufflepuff seems like the most chill house. Yeah. There's like apparently art of like what the Hufflepuff common room looks like. And it just basically looks like a room in like a hobbit hole. And I'm like, I know that's exactly what I was going to say. And it's like, that sounds great. I just want to hang out by the kitchens and like chill in a chair and not have to be burdened with like being like brave or evil or smart. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's a good thing that we are both in long-term committed partnerships with Hufflepuffs. (laughs) Because it means we get access to all that Hufflepuff energy. <laughs> Listen, Hufflepuff energy is the energy that gets shit done. <laughs> and not the whatever the fuck Gryffindor energy is categorized as. Um, intensity? Never chilling out about things because you feel too much? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am. I'm like a pretty profound at this point in my life not fan of amanda palmer and her like terrible white feminism but there is a great quote from neil gaiman someone asked him something about her like going naked to an award show and he says something like it's uh damn it i'm like gonna butcher it basically he's like i don't like talking to people it's good that i have this like very like loud and expressive wife And I kind of feel like that is, like, pretty descriptive of my relationship (laughs) with Evan. And I feel like probably your relationship with Nicole, where it's like, wow, you're such a great counterbalance to all of this intensity that I carry around inside of me all the time. Except it's funny, like, at least in public, like, I am the more outgoing one in public. And Nicole's like, I don't want to talk to people or strangers. And I'm like, let me talk to literally everyone. And then I go home and crash. I'm just like, I've talked to everyone. Why did I do that? (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think that's part of what I mean is that the, like, regardless of how your intensity comes out, your, uh, your Hufflepuff partner is the one that's there to, like, ground you. And keep you because I don't think that being a Hufflepuff and being an extrovert necessarily go together. That's true. I think you can definitely be an introvert Hufflepuff. What better common room to chill out in? <laughs> no Fred and George <laughs> in the corner making everything unbearable. Oh my god, yeah. It's really funny. I feel like in these chapters, there's like, there's really good character description, especially of like the Weasley kids, but like. Fred and Joyce help baby Harry with his, like, trunk when they see there's, like, no one around to help him. And I'm like, you guys are really good, but also complete assholes, and I would hate you. Yeah. They are, speaking of big energy people. (laughs) Oh, my God. They're definitely the people that I'd be like, oh, my God, they're in the fucking common room. Could you just go the fuck away? Yeah. I feel like I would never be in the Gryffindor common room. I'm like, are there chairs in the library? Can I hang out by the lake? Is there an empty classroom? Have I found the room of requirement yet? Like, can I sneak in someone else's common room? Because I don't want to be in here with Fred and George. Yeah. Can you go in other people's common rooms? I don't know. I mean, it's weird. I imagine if you're friends, you probably could. But it seems like inner house friendships are really... I don't want to say discouraged, but sort of effectively discouraged, you know? Right. Like, 
We only see the Slytherin and Ravenclaw common rooms because Harry sneaks into them in various ways. Yeah, but Harry isn't really, like, friends with people outside of his, like, little circle. He doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to have, like, a large friend group, which is fair. He's dealing with a lot. He has a lot. He has a lot in his plate. Like, he, he's like, all right, uh, you know, Hermione and Ron and sometimes Neville, they're solid. Also, Luna, this is all I need. Yeah. Welcome to the op-ed section where we rant about stuff. So Harry has to get to platform nine and three quarters, which is the reason that Vernon agrees to take him there because he's like, haha, fucker, there is no platform nine and three quarters. But Petunia definitely has been to platform nine and three quarters to drop her sister off. Is she just like fucking with harry i think she's just fucking with harry i mean i think so too because yeah like she should definitely know this i think she's i mean i think she's both fucking with harry but also like since her husband and son don't know i feel like it's also going to be easier for her to kind of pretend and like laugh along with and be like haha like there is no fucking weird platform even though she knows that I can totally see Vernon being the kind of asshole that would, like, get in a fight with her when they tried to go to bed that night because she hadn't told him that she'd been on the magical train platform and she, like, embarrassed him in front of Harry. Ew, what a monster. Yeah, he is a... He is a literal monster. Also, for along those lines, where did they find a doctor to get rid of this pig's tail? How the fuck did they, like, explain how their son has a, like, spontaneous pigtail? Why didn't the Ministry of Magic just fucking fix this in two seconds? Like, how? Like, <sighs> so many questions around this pigtail. Well, they found, I mean, if you have enough money, you can always find a doctor to, like, do a shady surgery. No questions asked. Hush, hush. And I do know that, like, in England, there is, like, a whole thing with, like, private hospitals where you can like like the wealthy people have access to like a completely different tier of healthcare than the people who are using socialized healthcare in the UK Shocker. and it's like super fucked up yeah so i think if they found if they found a private hospital they found doctors that will like hush hush remove a pig's tail from a child and not ask questions which must be the easiest surgery in the history of time I don't know. I guess it's like part of your spine, maybe, but I don't think that Hagrid was like that accurate. You know, it's probably like they probably could have done it with like kitchen scissors. Uh, it's just like a free flowing <laughs> pigtail, not like there's like bones in the tail, but not anywhere else. My next editorial is just like about the Weasleys in general and the way that their exposition works because it's so silly. Like Molly Weasley is like you said earlier, I think what platform is it again as if she hasn't gone there every september 1st since bill started school which it's the same it's the same fucking platform it's always the same platform that would never ever happen she she went to hogwarts she knows where the fuck right. the platform is <laughs> That's an even better point and it's unnecessary. Harry already clocked them for witches. We don't need that validation of them being witches by by Jenny being like, it's platform nine and three quarters. He's already like, robes, an owl, steamer trunks. These are definitely <laughs> people that I can go ask about platform nine and three quarters. And it's like, it's actually too bad because I actually think her establishing each of the Weasley's character voice is actually really strong in this chapter. Yeah. Like you get like a really strong sense of like the twins and Percy and Molly, like immediately. Yeah. It's really weird. And the other thing that I just find so freaking infuriating is that Ron doesn't know how spells work. This spell that he tries to do on Scabbers. I almost said Pettigrew. <laughs> I mean, same. <laughs> anyway, the spell that he tries... <clears throat> without squeaking this time. The spell that he tries to do on Scabbers is not... He has only ever been around 
people who do magic, where would even the concept of like a goofy rhymey spell have entered his world view? Because that's how muggles think about magic working. Yeah. Ron has never even heard of such a thing. So why does he think that sunshine daisies butter mellow turn this stupid fat rat yellow would be a spell? At all. he If Fred and George have told him that, he should have been like, that's not true. What's the Latin word for yellow? That's probably the spell. <laughs> you know? He he just, he knows how magic works. There's also the, it, I think it doesn't come up in this chapter. It's the next chapter. But all the shit that he doesn't know about how the sorting hat works is also ridiculous. It just makes me really frustrated. Yeah. And it's like, it's especially like kind of hard to read because I feel like... It's, like, trying to set up the story, but also this, like, doesn't make sense for, like, the series when you're, like, Ron should know these things. Yeah, and it would have been really easy for them to just have, like, I don't know, given him a word that sounded kind of dirty and told him it was a spell that would turn scabbers yellow, you know? Something that, like, when you say it out loud makes you go, like, <laughs> Right. Like, there there could have been a joke there if she wanted there to be a joke there. But that's just such a glaringly obvious flaw that it, I don't know, every time I read it, it takes me completely (laughs) out of the story. Because I'm like, no, he doesn't think that's a spell. He knows how spells work. You point a wand at something and say a Latin word and then magic happens. That's it. Yeah, it is bewildering. Welcome to the advice section, where we offer unsolicited advice. <laughs> yeah, uh, Neville, please buy a, like, fancy glass container for your Not toad. Not glass, Jesse, Maybe. you would break it in one second, and oh my God. Trevor would get skewered. <laughs> it would be tragic. Okay, uh, Neville needs, like, a damp woven basket oh, to, yeah, carry- <laughs> to carry Trevor in, because he gets lost constantly. I mean, seriously, how many times can one child lose a goddamn toad, get a toad container, or don't have a toad also? Yeah, I like, I get it, like, toads are witchy, but that seems like an impractical pet to have at Hogwarts. Um, So just having a rat, actually, because there are a bajillion cats there, and it's like, dude. But they're all, like, magic, so they don't eat each other. Rats make sense to me because they're kind of like tiny dogs. Like, they're very smart. You can carry them in your pocket. They, like, like you and enjoy hanging out with you. But toads are witchy. Witches use toads in potions. I've never seen or heard of a witch hanging out with a toad. You just use (laughs) toads like you use newts and, like, salamanders, which is that you, like use their parts to make magic so i just don't think that they even fit in the like whole scheme of hogwarts pet having yeah how do you think trevor feels when they're in potions class like adding eye of toad to their potions he's probably like that's why he gets lost all the time is because he's convinced that he's gonna be harvested for parts I mean, Snape does pour a potion on him, so I feel like he'd be having more fun out in the woods with other toads, hanging out, doing toad stuff. That's true. He would. It's the most tragic character in the whole book is Trevor the Toad. Maybe maybe my advice is that Trevor needs to get out and find his toad He's community. He's trying, Jesse. He's trying as hard <laughs> as he can. <laughs> Everyone is just thwarting him. <laughs> He's like, I'm ready to jump off of a moving goddamn train. Just get me away from this child. (laughs) Oh, man. Poor Trevor. All right. All right. We did one (laughs) chapter and we still talked for an hour and 45 minutes. A lot happens in this chapter. A lot happens. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gaily Prophet. If you want to hear more from us, in between episodes of The Gaily Prophet, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Live from Detroit and 
on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit. You can find me on Instagram at Lark Malachi, L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. You can find The Gaily Prophet at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at thegailyprophet at gmail.com. If you want to support us, you should like and review us on iTunes, I hear. These episodes are not yet on iTunes, so I don't know what happens when you do that, but everyone says you should, so I think I should probably say that you should do that, because allegedly it helps people find our podcast. And you can go to patreon.com slash thegailyprophet if you want more content like weird fanfic of Harry being played by The Rock driving a semi-truck into Lord Voldemort. Uh, which, who doesn't want that? I think I think everyone wants that. Our show art is by Theo Forrester. Uh, our theme music is Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod and... You can find the link to that in our show notes. And until next time. <laughs>